0: acquiring the land and doing the development uh, you know that kind of stuff is much more easily outsourced when you're investing in income properties right you just put out the cash make a few phone calls get a property management team in place whereas land development you need to be so invested in the markets that you're operating in because it requires some influence whether it be on a political level or or city staff municipal level And uh, so that's perhaps one of the reasons why we haven't seen it in the past. And because from an investment management standpoint, it takes the same amount of energy and resources and time and money from an investment manager to to take in five thousand dollars as it does five million dollars.
1: you are listening to the savvy real estate investor show the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage this is the show for you each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008.
2: Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate investors, Uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, We have Ravi Mann on our show Ravi is the Director of Finance and Investment at Isle of Man Property Group, which is a fully integrated real estate investment company focused on developments primarily in the metro Vancouver region.
3: Ravi is also the president of Perpetual REIT, which is a private Canadian real estate investment trust that really focuses on various real estate development projects. We were able to discuss the establishment of Perpetual REIT Whose purpose was basically to create a way for everyday investors to access Isle of Man's steady pipeline of qualified, high profile real estate development projects. And, you know, it was such an inspirational story of uh, how Isle of Man was formed from really humble beginnings and has now made a massive impact in the Western Canadian development space and all of the things that, you know, uh, Ravi has planned for perpetual REIT and, you know, the growth of Isle of Man Property Group in general. So, yeah, let's definitely get started with Ravi. Uh, Ravi, thanks for joining us on the show today. Really excited to have this conversation. So I'll let you do your own introduction. Maybe uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You have uh, quite a story, and uh, I know quite a quite a legacy business here, a uh, family business. So maybe tell us a little bit about um, you know who you are and uh, what you guys do.
0: Sure. Um, firstly, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to. to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, my name is Ravi Mann. I uh, am Director of Finance and Investment with Isle of Man Property Group. And uh, a little bit about me, what, what can I tell you? You know, I've, I've been around real estate and more specifically real estate development for most of my life, as you alluded to. My father, he actually started our family development company uh, back in the mid-90s. So that's, that's kind of my pedigree as far as, you know, Dinner table talk uh, around dinner time and and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I suppose I was uh, destined to to go into real estate in one aspect or another. Uh, Coming out of university, I uh, joined CBRE as a research analyst. And uh, it wasn't from, it wasn't long uh, after that that uh, I got plucked out of the research desk to join the national investment team. Uh, with uh, Jim Zavo and Tony Quatrine, where you know we we brokered some of the largest uh, investment commercial real estate investment transactions in the country, uh, certainly in Western Canada, and uh, that was a that was a, an incredible opportunity for me to uh, you know cut my teeth as far as technical analysis and uh, you know learning some of the more qualitative and quantitative skills required to analyzing. Uh, investments in commercial real estate and uh, not only not only income producing pr- producing properties, but also uh, development, uh, m- large scale master plan mixed use developments of of every kind. And so uh, after about uh, three or four years there, and what my old bosses used to like to call, your MBA in real estate, I decided to take that uh, skill, those skills and that experience and bring it back to the family company and, uh, you know, do whatever I could modestly to, to progress our, uh, the growth of our company and, um, you know, and and, and see what can happen. And I suppose a result of that is, is perpetual REITs. So the reason we're here to talk,
2: uh, talk today. Impressive. Um, You know, uh, maybe go into a little bit of the history of how Isle of Man started, and perhaps some of the struggles, you know, uh, to launch that development company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, like like any venture, you start out small, right? I, I recall my dad; he was first uh, he, he was first a residential real estate agent, and he. Along with selling homes, he would also be selling, you know, single family lots to builders who wanted to build a home and, uh, you know, then he'd sell like a larger piece of land that could get subdivided into single family lots and to more to developers that uh, or builders that would, you know, start to build more and more homes. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long before he realized, you know, this, this isn't rocket science. It's hard work, but it's not rocket science. Maybe I could, maybe I could do this too. And uh, that was around 1994 Isle of Man Homes was, was started and, uh, you know, and, and started off with, you know, buying a piece of land, subdividing into lots, selling some lots, um, then building a house on those lots selling the house and uh, before you know it you know one house turned into 10 20 and uh, before you know it he's doing master plan subdivisions of of a couple hundred homes and uh, and and as time progressed and as property values started to increase and the, the land acquisition purchase prices start to increase and you know affordability started to become more more of a uh, topic of conversation locally uh, it only made more sense to to start uh, expanding the portfolio into multifamily development and uh, so right up until the late 2000s that was our bread and butter was you know single family homes subdivisions and townhomes and then we had started to you know by sheer virtue of i suppose doing good work and focusing on you know uh, on Top quality craftsmanship and and generally just good business practices. The the opportunities to do commercial development started to pre- present themselves. So uh, you know, coming out of the late two thousands, some of the projects we were involved in were um, hotels, uh, senior care centers, virtually virtually anything that that was commercial, and of course the more uh, typical retail, industrial asset classes as well. And then, uh, you know, we talk about struggles, you know, in the late 2000s, that little global financial crisis hit. And so uh, it was definitely, uh, it it was, uh, for, you know, it predates my coming to the company, but being around the business around that time, I do recall, you know, it was a lot of moves, a lot of liquidation had to happen in order to remain solvent in the business. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that, a lot of businesses that are around pre-global financial crisis did not, were not around afterwards. And I think um, our prudent balance sheet and our, uh, our, our portfolio of, you know, high quality projects that, that had the ability to weather, um, you know, any market fluctuation, quite frankly, uh, really attributed to the fact of us not only coming out of that very difficult time, but coming out much stronger. And, uh, and since then, uh, you know, it's just more so, you know, we can't help but feel like we've been blessed to, to, I mean, personally, I feel, I feel blessed to have had, uh, a a parent be involved in the business at, at, at a great time in history and in a great market to geographically. And, uh, you know, now since, since then, it's just a matter of, keep focusing on doing good work and more projects start to present themselves larger projects present present themselves and um, you know we've developed internally a, a knack for identifying the the high quality projects with the ones to to actually execute on and uh, and that's the, and I suppose you know twenty five thirty years later here we are now what started off as you know, single-family home selling and buying, and, and is now large-scale mixed-use developments of of various asset classes. And we're very, very humbled and very honored by the growth we've been able to to pick up on all this time.
3: Yeah, no, that's that's an amazing uh, origin story, and uh, I think important uh, and very prudent to the conversation to hear sort of the history of how this company was built. So let's tie it into present. I mean, we've um, we've talked about Isle of Man, we've talked about how we have come. You know, to date, um, talk to us about the birth of Perpetual Reit and how, why you know, Perpetual Reit was formed, how it connects back to Isle of Man, and um, you know, really, your big purpose and, and driver to, to do this. Absolutely,
0: Perpetual was born out of a seemingly harmless enough idea. It was the idea that you know we we couldn't help but observe the type of returns that our projects were developing for ourselves and our investors. And comparing that to what our own, you know, uh, investments were were generating with our own wealth advisor. More specifically, the question that we were trying to answer is: How can we find some means, some capacity, some some vehicle to invest our own registered fund savings accounts? Into our own developments. Of course, it's uh, not 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 just anything can be registered funds eligible at the end of the day. So, and we're talking about RSPs, RESPs, TFSA's. Um, like I said, we couldn't help but observe the vast difference in returns we were generating in our own projects versus uh you know what our what our uh, you know maybe a typical mutual fund trust that was that it was being invested into was was generating for us. So that was the the crux of the idea and I, I say it seemingly harmless because <laughs> if we if we had known how much work uh, was involved in in launching a REITs in in the first place maybe we would have second guessed ourselves but um you know the more and more we started to think about it the more and more we started to feel more more passionate about bringing this to the market because it the more we start to peel back the layers, this investment vehicle that we would be producing would not only benefit us, but it would benefit our own employees to get involved in our own land development projects. And furthermore, create this vehicle that even allows friends and family and eventually, you know, the vast, the public at large to get invested in land development projects. A little bit of a micro lesson in how projects are typically capitalized is that, you know, developers are not investment managers at the end of the day. We are, we're we're developers because we like to go out and and do development, like to uh, build things and see something, see some creativity and see a result of of our, of our energy uh, manifest into a finished product. So naturally, you know, the, the impulse to. Go to a large amount of investors to generate capital to to add, to acquire the property and construct the property is not really on the top agenda. The, what typically happens is that you go back to your handful of investors who can cut a check for a million, two million, ten million dollars at a time to help you capitalize your projects and. And, you know, you start off small, like I said before, in in early days of of our development company. And as you develop your track record, these same investors who have done well as a result of your efforts are more and more willing to invest more and more capital back into your projects. So that's how you kind of get this ball rolling. Now, unfortunately, with the. By sheer virtue of of that model, it's pretty elitist, you know, because you have what you're essentially defining your investor as is is either high net worth or ultra high net worth or an institutional investor of sorts. So the question was how can how can we create this vehicle that is de- essentially democratizing land development investment for the masses? And uh, you know, we were. We were certain that, you know, maybe a model like this had existed previously and that we could simply, you know, replicate that model for the benefit of our own projects. And much to our surprise, this model does not exist. Any uh, any fund that does exist for land development is usually accredited investor only, meaning that your minimum investment is $150,000, which by definition is out of reach for about 99% of the population. And and not only that, the sheer amount of work to 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 get these projects up and running is is way out of reach of, of people's grasp as well, because you know most people don't have the aptitude or or wherewithal or understanding of how to how to launch a development if they wanted to do it on their on their own. So long story short, we've created this vehicle that allows investors to Essentially, if you use this vehicle like they would any other mutual fund trust where you know in a typical mutual fund trust, you don't have to spend a thousand dollars to buy a single piece of stock in apple or or whatever Tesla's trading at these days. you can take that one thousand dollars invest it in this basket of investments that essentially uh diversifies that one thousand dollars amongst all the assets that are within this basket. similarly. A real estate investment trust does that, but with real estate. But uh, where we differ from typical real estate investment trusts is that ours is solely focused on land development. Whereas typical real estate investment trusts usually uh, the, the the benefit there is that you know they're investing in income producing properties that already generate a cash flow, albeit in our humble opinion, is a very is a very nominal uh, amount, especially in these days of high inflation. Question that anybody needs to ask for their investments is: your return even keeping up with inflation at this point, right? When when inflation's at six to eight percent, that's that's a tall order. So L- perpetual is uh, converse to that. It is a high growth real estate fun- real estate investment fund, as opposed to it being a cash flow generating one. Uh, and we do that by leveraging. The power of Isle of Man Property Group, our project pipeline, our deal pipeline, our in-house development and construction expertise and aptitude, and and land sourcing, we bring all of that, all of those skills and all those benefits to the fore for our uh, investors. And 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 I say I say this said this before, but I'll say it again. This until now has not existed. designated investment vehicle for land development that's open ended so meaning that it essentially allows uh, investors an opportunity to be invested in our entire portfolio of projects as they as they come online and is backed by the resources and capabilities of a well established reputable uh, development company any any r- real estate development investor Always needs to be cognizant of the expertise of the person that they're investing in, because you know, in a in a place where like Metro Vancouver, where where our uh, Perpetual Read is based, it is very easy to get lost in uh, investing in someone who in, an, in a typical developer that might seem like uh, they've got a long track record, when in fact. You know, everyone and their mom around here is, is a developer because, you know, everyone sees of how lucrative it can be by being involved. But, you know, therein lies the, the misnomer that, you know, land development is easy. It's by no stretch of the imagination easy. It's a lot of hard work. Like I said before, it's not, it's not rocket science, but requires a lot of diligence. It does require a certain amount of, uh, um, nuance to navigate the, Uh, Complexities of dealing with the political system and, and dealing with city staff and whatnot. So there's a lot there that's, that is at the, at the benefit for the benefit of investors at the end of the day. And, uh, I suppose part of the reason why this has gotten so much traction in the media lately is because, you know, finally it seems that a lot of investors out there have been looking for something to invest in that is not simply, you know, Maybe buying and renting out a condo or um, you know purchasing a, a tr- trying trying to find the capital to purchase an income producing property to to generate some modest cash flow. this is um, this is an alternative uh, to your typical real estate investments, and uh, we're just trying to educate people that. Not all real estate investments are created equal, r- similarly to stocks and bonds. Different real estate investments serve different. Agendas within the investor's uh, risk reward profile and uh, and development is one that should be and is now is more accessible to alliance to to the to the masses. You
2: know, uh, thanks thanks a lot for the explanation. Um, for the sake of our listeners, perhaps you can you know tell us what's the difference between a a real estate fund um, versus a real estate investment trust.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so I, 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 may have, I briefly touched on it, uh, just in my last con- uh, constant stream of consciousness. But, uh, basically a real estate investment trust follows the mutual fund trust model, which allows investors to invest their Registered fund savings accounts such as RSPs, RESPs, and TFSAs. Um, th- our real estate investment trusts are also subject to a high degree of oversight and transparency. There's, uh, there's constant reporting requirements. There's compliance that's required. Um, there's, there's a, uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't matter too much, but you know, in, uh, it, there are background checks in, involved in who is managing the investors money and and there's also rigorous oversight in how you advertise your investment right because we uh there there are <laughs> there are strict requirements to advertising investment that you know not everybody follows but should be following because you know unfortunately i see all too often that certain real estate funds advertise a guaranteed return of X percent, not not knowing that, you know, there's no such thing as a guaranteed return. And and uh and you know, the, I, I suppose the, the moral of the story there is that it is a real estate investment trust at at the base of it is protecting investors' interests at the end of the day, ensuring that they're not subject to fraud, they're not subject to uh misadvertising and 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 real estate funds uh conversely are are typically not retail invest uh, available for retail investors their minimum investment is uh, has to be accredited investors for us so $150,000 and that that by by simple fact of that minimum investment was one of the reasons why we felt it was imperative that we make this a low barrier REIT and that is that is uh, at the center that is a, at the core of democratizing this land development investment vehicle for the masses because not only are we reducing the minimum investment to only $5,000 but we're also making it accessible from your RSPs RESP's and TFSAs so investors can now align their long-term savings goals with their long-term investment goals. And so it's in our humble opinion that real estate is the uh, real estate in development specifically is one of the best vehicles to generate high growth while also, while also leveraging the fact that you're secured by the real estate itself at the end of the day. And so, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a stock or a bond where, you know, it's a, it is, you know, it's a it's a piece of paper at the end of the day that's 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 uh, uh, anchoring the value of your of your unit price. Whereas us, it is actually the value of the real estate, and of course that that is also the case for real estate funds as well. But um, you know, from my experience, also seeing the fee structure of real estate funds, um, you know, most real estate funds take about fifty percent of the profits off the table for uh for management right off the bat whereas the perhaps one of the most unique uh, features about perpetual is the fact that we introduce a uh, or rather reintroduce something we call a waterfall profit sharing uh, mechanism which uh is a commonly used management fee structure when your investor is an institution right an institution will often come to a developer and say okay I'll give you all the capital to invest in this project, and we will give you a tiered uh, return as a management fee, provided that you generate this return for us. So if you were to generate, let's say, 15% return for us, we'll give you this amount of management fee, and that'll increase if you generate 20% return for us, so on and so forth. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but essentially what it does is that, it motivates and it aligns the interests of the management team to overperform on targets. Whereas uh, in a typical real estate fund, that incentive is not there. You know, you'd like to you'd like to believe that every management team's fiduciary duty to their investors is enough to, to, to propel them to, to, to generate as much return as possible. But um, you know, there there's something to be said there about, you know, the management team relying on the fact that they're going to collect 50% of the profits without putting any money of their own up front uh, from the investors seems a little uh, inequitable. So, you know, that is one thing that for the first time we're now making available not only to retail investors, but to accredited investors as well. Because what is a benefit for an accredited investor who might have Typical um, access to other real estate investment funds that uh, that that also you know also with reputable developers so on and so forth is the fact that we are we are offering a highly highly competitive uh, management fee structure that is akin to only what you would see when partnering with uh, an institution.
3: Yeah, I know that's that's a great explanation, and definitely one of the. Interesting benefits of being part of a REIT that is highly catered towards development. Which you're right, we don't hear about very often. And, and you're right, most of the REITs out there that are, that are invested in in, in real estate um, are primarily investing in, like you said, uh, cash flowing assets, multifamilies usually of some kind.
0: And I'll and uh, just to just to add to that a little bit. And I think one of the reasons why we haven't seen that in history is because. Uh, a real estate investment f- trust would inherently need the backing of a local developer and uh because development is highly localized by nature right there, there's a handful of developers that that operate across western canada there's an even smaller subsection that operate nationally and there's like maybe a ha- two or three names that i could list that do work all across north america so by and and all those large companies don't need to launch a REIT you know they they've got they've got capital coming from all sorts of different directions so what what i'm trying to get at is that for us for isle of man property group being so heavily invested in the two highest growing submarkets in Metro Vancouver, Surrey and Langley, it made all the sense in the world for us to be backing this, this real estate investment trust uh, investment vehicle because uh, without, without the backing of an, Isle of, of, of an Isle of Man property group or another development company, these things, it doesn't make sense for these things to exist because a typical real estate and fund who might be managed by some CPA or a lawyer in their ivory tower, and are not the boots on the ground of actually acquiring the land and doing the development. Uh, you know that, that kind of stuff is much more easily outsourced when you're investing in income properties, right? You just put out the cash, make a few phone calls, get a property management pla- uh, team in place. Whereas land development, you need to be so invested in the markets that you're operating in because like I mentioned, Mentioned before, it requires it requires some influence, whether it be on a on a political level or or city staff municipal level, and uh, so that's that's perhaps one of the reasons why we haven't seen it in the past, and and because from an investment management standpoint, it takes the same amount of energy and resources and time and money on, from from an investment manager to to take in. Five thousand dollars as it does five million dollars you have to there's the same paperwork involved there's the same so all that stuff is precisely the same, so that's another reason why i I think we haven't seen this stuff come to the market before. I got a feeling we're going to see a lot more of it come now now that we've <laughs> kind of created this template out there but um you know w- that is also a benefit of technology and where we are at this time in, in, in history where, you know, where I can, you know, where a great uh, couple of entrepreneurs can start up a podcast and become wildly successful. This stuff, this stuff is only available because technology is now allowing us to, right. And, and, and similarly from our standpoint, because we've got Um, other groups uh, that are willing to take on things like fund administration and uh, investment processing, that allow, by making these strategic partnerships, it allows us to make a real estate investment trust available, but without getting drowned in administrative processes that hinder us from doing what we do best, which is essentially developing projects.
2: Yeah. And and speaking of developing projects, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what some of the new and upcoming projects that Isle of Man has going on right now.
0: Absolutely, we've uh, Isle of Man's uh, involved in everything from a thirty-unit townhome project to a three hundred-unit master plan uh, concept. Um, we've got, as a matter of fact, today we've got a public information meeting on one of our 10 acre pieces, which is about 400 units in uh, South Surrey here. Um, we've got uh, another 200 units in Langley uh, where there's some mixed use uh, office, sorry, retail component. We've got a large scale Senior care campus that is being operated in South Surrey as well. That's in in the process of being developed, where um, we've we've introduced this age in place uh, concept that allows seniors to move from. Independent housing to assisted care to palliative care in one, in one master plan concept. Um, so we're, we're involved in just about everything. And, uh, in Alberta, where ironically, we're actually known predominantly as an industrial developer where, um, we've got many acres of, uh, industrial subdivision on the, on the go right now. More specifically, you know, as far as, uh, how do we make these projects available for perpetual read? One thing that's a cornerstone of Perpetual REITs investment thesis is to ensure that we've mitigated as much risk for the retail investor as, as possible. And as we all know, the the most prevalent uh risk for any any land development project is the entitlement risk, which is that risk that uh, a development that what a uh, development is approved for at the end of the day might not be what was originally envisioned, and maybe what er- original performas were based off of. So, because of that, we always make sure that our projects have achieved a conditional zoning, uh, for lack of a better term, that's like a draft approval, which basically is a, is a city council telling you that your project has is now approved it will be approved pending that, you know, you create, you address these handful of conditions. So that is enough comfort for us as a developer to then now make this project available for investment to
2: our investors, whether they be from a perpetual REIT or otherwise. So, so basically the, the project gets introduced to perpetual at a, at a, like a draft plan approval prior So it's not at the land acquisition stage.
0: Exactly. And, and, you know, we do have, uh, we do have other investment vehicles available that allow accredited investors to access the land acquisition and the entitlement, uh, stage phase. But for, for us as developers, knowing the, knowing the characteristics of capital that is required for that level of investment, the investor has to be somewhat savvy they have to know they have to know what they're getting themselves into because entitlement, especially I think GTA and Metro Vancouver have this very much in common that it could take two years it could take five years right so the, the nature of the capital needs to be extremely what we call patient it needs to be patient capital. And so, uh, you know, the trade off for that is that once you get your approvals, there's a, you know, there is a warranted increase in value because of all the value that you've added by through that entitlement process. But for us, we in good conscience could not make something like that available. To a retail investor who very well might need, you know, if emergency comes up and they need to redeem their investment, that 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 option would be available to them through a real estate investment trust. And I apologize because you asked me earlier what's the difference between real estate investment fund and real estate investment trust. That is another that is another benefit to investors for for real estate investment trusts is that we are mandated to always allow for redemptions of investment if if they're absolutely necessary whereas real estate funds you know once you've invested that money you know it's it's at their discretion whether or not they can or or will redeem your investment prior to it actually um, realizing its full value as per the investment
2: agenda of that that offering right. yeah. so there's a certain uh, term that you're uh, you're basically you're tied in for
0: exactly there's a there's a lock in period and and so on and so forth so that's another way that the REIT structure makes sure that it's always looking out for the best interest of the investor at the
2: end yeah i know and and so your model is brilliant because you know i would say yeah, the, the riskiest part about development is it from the acquisition part to the approval part and that like you mentioned it could take uh it could take 1 year or it could take 3 years or in between so you know you're eliminating that risk for the investors
0: exactly exactly uh, the way we look at it is is from that point onward you've taken re- entitlement risk off the table and what are you left with now there's there you're now left with market risk which is you know Um, death and taxes as far as your ability to control it, which is none, you know, you're at the mercy of the market at the end of the day. And then there's execution risk. So the execution risk is is simply the quality of the management team that you've enlisted to manage your project, which, um, you know, humbly, we'd like to think that our close to 30 year track record has, has, uh, is enough proof in the pudding, so to speak, that, you know, we're, we're well versed in, in managing the projects. And one other thing that, Perpetual REIT investors can can rely on is the fact that perpetual REIT investments will only be invested in projects that have uh a track record of success by Isle of Man Property Group. A natural question would be like, okay, hey, you've raised all this money, maybe you now want to, you know, spend it on a you know like a high-rise tower or something like that and and we're only now as a development company starting to get our feet wet in terms of uh, high-rise development and we would not in good conscience make those investments available to pre- perpetual agreed investors until we have proven to ourselves that we've got a couple of these projects under our belt in terms of expertise we know what we're getting ourselves into and we can then shepherd our investors through that process uh, in you know honoring uh, honoring our fiduciary duty and making sure that we're bringing all of our expertise and our knowledge to bear.
3: I mean, it's just it's so it's so nice to see uh, your you know second generation uh, business uh, owner here. And uh, you know, where do you see the business going? Like, what what are your goals? And 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 sort of what is your passion? Where do you see things uh, moving along for Isle of Man and for you know Perpetual re- potentially over the next. You
0: know three to five years that that is a great question um I think uh y- you know perpetual has been um it's been my baby right up for like the last five years and and we were very happy to have finally have launched it in January so I'm so happy it's it's out there it's in the market and and the the amount of of positive feedback from from the market and from peers and from people i highly respect has been an incredibly humbling process so i could i suppose the the agenda here is to now take this baby of mine and and have it grow and and really have it I, my my main agenda here is to just keep delivering more and more value to our investors keep showcasing and i'm trying to advocate for the for the real estate development Industry in Metro Vancouver, specifically, more specifically, Surrey and Langley are strongholds to get more and more people involved. Because, and once again, I'm, I'm sure GTA is very, very similar in this that, you know, in the media, all we can hear, uh, all you hear about in the media is uh, how property values are increasing, how more and more people, businesses, and individuals are getting priced out of the market. And, you know, I, I eventually, I, I could picture myself as being someone who might not be involved uh, in the real estate industry, as just kind of having your eyes glaze over and be like, "Well, another another issue that I have nothing I can I have no impact over, right?" And there's always a some kind of news in the media about um, real estate development and and whatnot, and. Uh, you know, most people around town can't even afford to buy, buy their own home, let alone be concerned about what's happening in the development arena, right? And so, hopefully, now with perpetual REIT, we can give people an a vehicle to be invested in that conversation. Now, be part of the conversation, for lack of a better term. You know, they can drive by these properties locally and say, "Hey, I'm invested in that," and you know. Knowing full well that the management team is 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 incentivized to overperform on what they've promised them. And, you know, they're not trying to gouge them on fees or anything. We've got a large, large pipeline of of projects at Island Property Group that we would love to make available for retail investment. And that is that is definitely the agenda. We are very unique or maybe I'm a little unique in uh, as far as real estate developers is concerned that my our agenda at Isle of Man is not to take over the world, so to speak. But, uh, you know, it's meant to we're meant to uh, we would very much like to keep Surrey and Langley and generally um Metro Vancouver's Fraser Valley as our stronghold of markets. And we want to be the household name locally that people think of when they think of these two high growth markets within Surrey and within the Metro Vancouver. And uh, you know, hopefully that'll just keep leading to more projects, higher quality projects. You know, I, I try not to dream too much about aspirations for the company because uh, you know, I, I might get overwhelmed by the amount of work to do there, but uh, I think from now for, for now, we just focus on doing good work, treating people right, put one foot in front of the other and, uh, and seeing what good we can, we can come of all this.
3: Yeah, so, yeah. So- no, so so inspirational. You guys are great. And I think for us and Jose and I, we have three little kids. Uh, it's It's just so wonderful to see. Some you know second generation who's now looking to do even more good and and grow the business and and I think that's wonderful Take you to the next level yeah or, yeah know. really nice to see I,
0: I I appreciate you guys saying this and I and I, I don't I don't typically talk about this angle to it but um I, I I think I think it's relevant here as a son of an immigrant and you see you know where your family's business has has started and where it's where it's come and and where it has a potential to grow there's there's this sense of and and you know I to be quite honest, I didn't always know that I was going to come back to the family company and and take that over. Right, I was I was quite happy in my ta- time at CBRE, and you know if if I didn't have Isle of Man to to take on, I probably would have continued down that route with that company. But you know, there was this when I found out my first son was arriving that all of a sudden the question of you know how are you applying your talents, whatever they may be, and your your hard work, and are they are they amplifying your family's uh, legacy at the end of the day? And, and, you know, that, that, that might not mean uh, a development company to everybody. It might mean something a little more, you know, like by s- simply your family name. Right. And uh, whatever that looks for anyone, that was something that started to overcome me. And that was, that was my shift to Isle of Man. And, um, you know, I was, uh, it's a, I- incredibly humbling to, to be recognized for our own efforts. Uh, you know, this, this next generation and, And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just make the previous generation proud and, and, and God willing, you know, hand it off to the generation after and see what they can do with it. Right. But, uh, yeah, Yeah. for sure. I
3: mean, it's, it's, I know that you're right. uh, But no matter what that looks like, everybody wants to have a legacy, right? Uh, whether it's your name or it's your, you know, whatever your passion is, it's a beautiful thing and there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's actually, it's it's a great aspiration to pass on a legacy.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's, uh, we could ask you so many more questions, but I think we're at, the end of our time here so you know we just again want to thank you for for your time and 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 being so open and sharing and and just such a positive uh force in the yeah. real estate community we need more of that and and you know just educating people and sharing and and wanting to include everybody in on the possibilities here so
2: yeah you know your your, your main seems like your main purpose of creating perpetual was to grant access to you know uh Every day, general everyday public will yeah. have access to these opportunities where, you know, like you said, it was primarily for high net worth or institutional investors. Uh, so you brought it to Main Street now.
0: Well, guys, I, I can't thank you enough for um, allowing me the opportunity to speak on your guys platform because it just allows me to share it with more and more people. It allows us to share it with more and more people. And, um, you know, hopefully it, it makes it. Uh, even more accessible, and you know the only way the only way people are going to uh, be involved is if they know about it. And you know, I, I I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to speak to it today. And um, you know, your your guys' program is amazing. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Um, I can't wait to, to to hear this episode and to continually uh, listen to you guys. Thank you so much.
3: Awesome, Rabbi. Yeah, yeah so and we'll definitely it. share in our show notes. Uh, re- um, you know links to Isle of Man um, to Perpetual Read. Um, uh, We have all of your contact information, so people should definitely reach out um, if they're interested in learning more and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, getting involved in the development space through their funds.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks again, Ravi.
1: All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.